0: You're listening to The Better Man Podcast, becoming life-giving men together. Iron sharpens iron. It's a proverb that tells us that we're better together when we come in relationship. And we've got the president of Iron Sharpens Iron today, Brian Doyle, with us on the Better Man
1: podcast. Mm.
2: Welcome, Brian. It's great to have you with us today.
1: Well, God bless you guys. I'm delighted to be here with you. So, Brian, you have been
0: involved in men's ministry for a long time. You are a veteran in this space. You've helped a lot of men um, grow. Tell us a little bit about Iron Sharpens Iron and your just journey and experience in ministering to men.
1: Yes, exactly. Well, I'm a product of ministry to men. So I grew up in a church home, but it wasn't a Christ centered church home. We just attended church because my dad was a good citizen, and so we went to church. But at some point, uh, a man began to share with me the scriptures, and I learned uh, what the Bible had to say about coming to faith in Christ and what that really meant, and that church was part of it, but church did not get me into a new and right relationship with God through Christ. So that man helped me to take that step. And then that man helped me to uh, get grounded in the word of God. He taught me how to study the scriptures, taught me how to feed myself, taught me how to submit to the lordship of Christ. He taught me how to share my faith. He taught me how how to help other men know Christ and Help those men get grounded, and 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 it became a, a reproducing ministry. And so, that's a lot of the uh, the groundwork for Iron Shepherds Iron. Just the the absolute uh, privilege it is we have to encourage one another, to invest in one another, uh, and to do it one man at a time. And that's really what Iron Shepherds Iron is about.
2: So, Brian, what what led you to start putting together? the conference ministry of iron sharpens and Zion. I've had the privilege of speaking at several of those but what were the steps that led you to to launch that that particular part of it
1: yeah it's a good question the uh, so my uh, early days and this is where I came to faith was through the ministry of the navigators which is very much uh, a one on one ministry uh, men discipling men and doing Doing it, and often what I would call under the radar. It's not something that makes the bulletin insert of your local church. And then, for a number of years, I was on loan to the Ministry of Promise Keepers, which was a very visible ministry. You know, having football stadiums full of men, and there's no football game, but men are coming together in the name of Jesus, and they're worshiping, and they're hearing the gospel. And they're hearing mandates and exhortation from the scriptures. And so, I, you know, here I am. I'm, I'm an individual, but I'm a product of under-the-radar ministry. But I'm working in very visible ministry. And then Promise Keepers had its season uh, and kind of went away. And I found myself back uh, doing invisible ministry, yet passionate to see local churches, to see local churches, view and disciple men uh, in the way the scriptures would encourage. And yet, how do I get on the radar of local churches? I no longer had a Promise Keeper hat, Promise Keeper shirt, Promise Keeper card. So we started something that uh, turned into the Iron Shepherds Iron Conference, which was really intended to give visibility to the rest of the year, to do something once a year Every year, same time, same place, same flavor. So the churches, when they choose, pastors and leaders could come and bring their men and have an exceptionally high quality experience that's very unique in building godly men. And yet it would serve, from my standpoint, it would serve to give me credibility and posture in that community, that geographic community community. Uh, so that after the conference, I would now have a platform of being able to engage and train and equip and establish local churches in their ministry to men. So the conference, the conference was never intended to be um, as popular as it has become. It was intended just to be something so that I could fly my flag mm-hmm. in the region where I lived.
2: Kind of a long it still does bag. that
1: but now yeah. it's become a little more popular than what we expected yeah because you do what 30 40 of these a year we do every year it's a little bit different I think there's probably going to be 44 in 2020 so there's fair there's a fair amount of them and they're all uh, and they're all designed the way that we were just talking about it it's not me but there's someone uh, the reason there's not more iron sharepins iron is because there's not more guys that God has called into vocational ministry to men. And as God does that, there's an opportunity for more of these conferences. We don't just do a conference and go away. We all, the only time there's a conference is when there's someone who's gifted and called by God to follow through on the conference experience and help local church leaders to understand what it is to disciple men and how to do that well. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's a great jump start for a local area of the country to understand men's ministry and find the vast resources that are there for them to do men's ministry if they want to. Uh, that's what I've seen it do over and over again.
0: Yeah, you know, Robert, I think about our table leaders who've raised their hands at Better Man and said, "Hey, I want to help. You know, these uh, you know men in our community grow in in the Lord," and you know these table leaders are the kind of people that ISI was created for to help them supercharge them with tools and resources to really be multipliers of men. Yeah, that's key. Well, Brian, in your own journey is you're, you're out there and you're seeing what, what God is doing. among men, what are some of the things right now that you think, wow, you know, this is, seems like God is doing this among men, or this is what men are searching for or, or starving for. What are you seeing out there?
1: Well, I think it's probably something similar to you and to our listeners are seeing is that men, uh, there's strengths and weaknesses of men. And, and some of it is, you know, men are not looking necessarily uh, to gravitate to a better man event or an iron Sharpens iron event. You know, they're, they have other things, Other uh, in many cases, men are self-sufficient, a little bit isolated, and there's some downside to that, but there's some upside as well. What I'm seeing though, and I'm very excited about this, and I'm just seeing the flavor of ministry to men change over the last uh, five to 10 years where we're beginning to view men differently. We're beginning to view, and I say we, church leaders, leaders in Christ-centered ministries and local churches are beginning to see men not as constituents, but as portals, not just as people who show up and are part of the flock, but as shepherds of a flock, that they have their own flock. You know, First Peter 5, uh, Peter says to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, shepherd God's flock that's under your care. Not uh, greedy for gain, and he goes on. Well, we're beginning to see men, you know, fathers, husbands, grandfathers, mentors in the local church as shepherds. And so our, our, uh, our interest, our determination our um, conviction to build men is not just about hey we could, we should do something with the men it's like no this is actually for everybody we're building men but it's with others in mind we're building men for the sake of our marriages and the women in our church. We're building men for the sake of our youth and our, our 20-somethings and our teenagers. We're building men for the sake of our children's ministry. That's why we're building men. That's why this is a top ministry, a priority, mm-hmm. because by the design of Almighty God, we believe that this is key for everybody. And mm-hmm. so that's very
2: exciting. Uh, that I would give a hearty amen to that. <clears throat> you're trying to get guys not just to come and listen, you're trying to launch men to action. And yeah. uh, and and I, I see that as well, Brian, where guys want to feel competent and to feel a certain uh, ordaining to make a difference in the world around them. And what they just need is some maybe coaching and how to do that, but they're ready to go. Whereas oftentimes in the past, the the whole focus has been to get those guys to come and listen, and uh, just take notes and leave. But there wasn't really a specific call, like you said, to shepherding others to a better life.
1: And you know, one of my encouragements to pastors and church leaders is we have to stop thanking men for showing up. We have to stop thanking men for coming to church. We we have to speak to men in the way that Almighty God has designed them. And really, when you open up God's Word, the way that God speaks to men through His Word, He speaks to men as leaders, mm. as influencers, back to that, portals. Right. It's not about just keeping my nose clean. It's about becoming God's man, mm-hmm. not just for me, but for all the people that I love. Yeah. That's why I want to be God's man.
2: Yeah, to make a difference. You're yep. you're here to make a difference. Go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and to, to equip them to that end. Yeah. You know, I mean obviously helping men heal themselves and and deal with those things, but then to to leverage them to be multipliers, you know, that's a that's a powerful shift. I imagine there's probably some pastors that just heard that and are like, Whoa, wait a minute, that's I'm thinking about men as the in consumer or mm-hmm. the 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 target of ministry, not um, a vehicle by which ministry actually happens, and the church is actually mm-hmm. empowered, emboldened, and strengthened mm-hmm. into yeah. our community. Yeah, that's fantastic. well.
1: You know, one of the things that we, you know, Robert has made uh, visible to us through men's fraternity and 33 is this idea of passivity, and you know, well, why are men's passive? Why are men passive? You know, past, pastors come to me. They may not use the exact lingo, but they are saying to me, "Yeah, Brian, our guys are uh, disengaged, and uh, I'm not quite sure why." And and I will often try. I'll say it graciously, but I'll say it with conviction. I say, "Well, well I know why." And they'll look at me. They go, "You know why?" I go, "Yeah, I know why." well, well why is it? Well, you've disengaged them. And of course, you know, they get a little possibly put off or maybe just curious okay go, well, how could I possibly disengage our guys? Well, you disengage men when you don't view them as God views them, when, when you thank them for showing up, yeah. when you don't challenge them to operate fully under the Lordship of Christ, when you don't give them the responsibility that Almighty God has given them if they're married for their wife and teach them and train them don't just inform them, teach them and train them how to be godly husbands but for their children. You know, you, we, we develop world class youth ministry with paid staff and, you know, people who play guitars and smile a lot. And, and the guys just think, OK, I guess in the professional world that we live in, in 2020, in the United States of America, men are used to hiring out help. For all kinds of things and, and many times the church we've just kind of traveled into that pathway instead of saying no to that pathway we can still have world class youth ministry we should, it should be world class but the people responsible for the youth are the men it's the dad, we've mm-hmm. got to build dad, we can't disengage dad by saying we've got it dad, you just get your kids in front of us and we'll take it from here, in many ways many men that's how they feel Oh, what a powerful word
0: so you know brian, i want to I want to shift a little bit and um, and and get kind of personal because uh, you know you and I are new friends, and one of the things that I learned about you was the passing of your wife. And it's not something that we we talk about much. Um, grief is not something that the church is really always great at handling. And it just seems to me that in the last couple years, I don't know whether it's you know my age and stage of life or whatever, but I'm experiencing more men who have experienced loss. Tell us a little bit about, um, about your, your wife and the, the tragedy there and the loss of her life, but also the celebration of her life and yeah. what God's been showing you through that? Where, if I can, in, yeah, if I can where you
2: are it. now? Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, it's uh, you yeah, know, no one wants to lose their wife, and although twenty percent of guys will lose their wife before uh, the other way around, or eighty percent of the time, but so that men will wow, But no, is
0: that high? That's uh, that's a
1: remarkable. Yeah, twenty percent. I, I, let me just share it from this perspective. We're talking about building men and ministry to men. You know, Barb, who was my, you know, we were married for over 30 years. Barb and I came out of the same context. We both were discipled by people, we we're committed to discipling people. She was a wonderful compliment to me, and I hopefully was a compliment to her. Five children, all following Christ passionately, and just a delightful woman of God. Uh, when she was uh, diagnosed with cancer in July of 2016, you know, my, uh, my life, the life of our family uh, changed, and I needed to make some adjustments. I needed to step in a little bit more aggressively to be in God's man in the home. And then uh, for 19 months, we battled this together, and then the Lord uh, took her home. He had numbered her days. Cancer didn't number her days, but the Lord had numbered her days. And now she gets to uh, be in glory and will be with her uh, someday. Uh, but here's, what, here's one of the things that really happened to me. And, you know, I thought, you know, Robert has known me for a while or at least about me for a while. So I, I thought that I was committed All out to ministry to men. You know, if you had asked me ten years ago, what's your commitment level? I'd say 100%. I'm all in, and I would say that with, you know, complete conviction. (laughs) I mean, I'm all in. I've I put the other stuff aside, and this is what I do. This is all I do, every day. This is my complete ministry. I'm uh, privileged to do it, and yet when Barb got sick, and then when Barb uh, passed away to heaven. My, my, uh, my conviction and my commitment to ministry to men escalated in a way that uh, I, I just didn't expect because I knew from my own personal experience that it was the grace of God in everything that I had learned in my 40 years of walking with Christ, that allowed me to uh, navigate this journey and to uh, shepherd my own family, my extended family, uh, the friends of our family through this journey. And uh, my flesh would be crying out to uh, go into my room, shut the door and uh, crawl into my bed, but that was not an option. Uh, And fortunately, as I shared earlier in our time, Men had built into me. They had, they had helped me to uh, trust God and walk by faith. They would helped me to to believe the scriptures and to memorize the scriptures and hold on to the Word of God. They had taught me to be a man of God, and I I want to teach men to be men of God, not just for themselves. Because what I went through and what we went through with Barb, you know, we're all going to go through these things. If it, if you're not going through it today. It's around the corner, maybe later this year or next year. And so you can't wait to start walking with God and surrender to the Lordship of Christ and shepherd God's flock that's under your care when crisis happens. You need to do it now. You need to do it right now and be engaged and be ready and be prepared. And that's why we in the local church, we need to disciple men because in every man's life, In every family's life, these things are happening continually. And it's not God's plan that we do this general shepherding and put people in grief groups and hope it all works out. No, we build godly men so that men, grandfathers, fathers, husbands, uncles, brother-in-laws, we can shepherd the people God's place in our sphere of influence.
0: Wow, that's powerful. You were were just talking to us a little bit about you know, within your own family at different times, your children will feel uh, those moments of grief and you're grieving as well. Um, and uh, to try and catch yeah. up after the event in your relationship with God, it's yeah. almost at that point, you're fighting, a, you're fighting uphill. Whereas if you go into these crises with, uh, with the walking with the Lord, you're that much stronger moving forward.
1: Well, you know, the uh, the nature of men, Christian men as well, is we stiff arm some of this stuff, including grief. And and, and, and to some extent, that God's wired us that way. I mean, I'm, I don't think it's all negative. I think part of it is you, it gets part of, you know, manning up, is that you, you need to uh, keep going. You know, the world doesn't stop. you cannot got keep going. And yet, uh, there's a negative side to that as well. So what I did is... Uh, As soon as possible, I got into a grief group, and then another one, and then another one. I didn't do it because I was aching for it. I didn't do it because I was home crying. I didn't do it. I did it, uh, I would describe it as a spiritual discipline. In this season of my life, I needed to add a spiritual discipline. I needed to learn something I didn't know. I didn't know about grief. There's other things I know about. I didn't know about grief. I didn't know what it was to process grief. So I jumped into a a grief group, went through it, went through it again, went through it a third time. And I did it not just for myself. I did it so that I could come home and talk about it. One of the uh, pastors that I would meet with occasionally, we would talk about this and he would uh, somewhat lament that uh, there weren't more men in these grief groups. I've been in in one or two uh, short-term grief groups where you know, there was many more women than men. It just was crazy at times. And as we process that, he goes, I just don't understand it. He goes, well, why do you think it is? And we talked a little bit about it. He goes, well, here you are. You're a strong man of God. Yeah, you go to all these grief groups. I go, I go because... I'm responsible for other people. I have five children. I've got a mother-in-law, sister-in-law, brother-in-law, friends, small group people. I'm not just here for myself. I'm here for all these people that God has placed in my trust. I've got to figure this out—not just for myself, but for them as well. We need—we need to be in, in, in the in grief ministry. We need to, we need to be inviting men to come in and learn because back to being a portal, back to being an influencer, back to being a leader. You can't minister to people in the area of grief if you haven't been ministered to and you don't know about it. So for me, it's the same same principle, just flushed out in a new season of life.
2: Brian, that is that is so good. I hope our listeners are taking special note of what you just said, because really the key to manhood that I've learned that I've tried to teach, I've tried to practice like you, is when life comes at you, the worst thing you can do is guess at it. And for whatever reason, maybe in our flesh as men, we think we're supposed to know what to do. And that keeps us from pursuing what started out in the garden as learning outside ourselves from God, what we are supposed to do, and if we don't take that step to get outside ourselves to learn those things, we go inside ourselves to an impoverished spirit that just guesses at it and we end up making a lot of messes. And so yeah. you've learned a discipline. I just so appreciate the wisdom you're sharing here because you learned a discipline before losing your wife about how to grow as a Christian. And that is in eliciting other men to speak into your life, learning to process the scriptures with other men, learning that real wisdom is on the outside that needs to be brought inside and processed so that you can be equipped to not only give life to yourself, but to give life to others. And so in this moment of loss, you, you just simply practice the same thing, you're pra- and I love what you said, and this is what I hope the listeners hear. You're practicing a lifetime discipline that says, I don't have the answers. God has the answers. I've got to humble myself and go outside myself at this new season and learn what those answers are, bring them in, practice them, master them, not just for me, but to be a life giver to others. And if that could be a formula put on the front lobe of a man's life, it's going to lead him to a meaningful, purposeful, influential, God-honoring, satisfying life because he's learned the secret. And the secret is, I learn from God, I process it, I live it, and then give it away. That's what you're saying about the portal, about being the shepherd, and men are wired to do that, and we're wired to do that from the very beginning, when God was saying, hey, you're in this garden, you don't have any answers, don't guess as it, I'll tell you what to do, and then you process it and give it away to your wife and others. And I just, <clears throat> I'm kind of starting to preach a little bit, but all I want to say is what you just said is masterful.
1: Yeah. Well, it's design of God, that's all, it's a design, it's wake way God's design, all of us, all of us, that's,
2: yeah. that's what it's done.
0: Now, Brian, you know, loss comes in a lot of different ways. I mean, um, <clears throat> in your situation, it was losing Barb. Um, for others, it might be losing a child. Uh, it could be even something um, like losing a job, which uh, is, uh, is often seen as a temporary thing, but it's a temporary stage. It doesn't mean, you know, you, you don't always get that job back in the same way. And so there is a loss of something. What are you learning as you're, interacting with men about loss and, um, you know, what are, what are two or three things for a man who's experiencing loss or, or maybe anticipating loss that you would just, you know, give them as advice from your, uh, experience in, in working through some of this.
1: Yeah. And I appreciate you uh, reminding us that loss comes in all kinds of forms. uh, You know, this particular loss for me is a, it's a dramatic loss. Uh, and, but I would also say that I'm, after being around a lot of people with a lot of different losses, uh, our loss, you know, I, I use the word sweet. Barb's passing was sweet, uh, because this was a godly woman. We were fully engaged. Uh, there wasn't a lot of drama to it. It happened over time. And so there was many ways that it was much grace here. Not everyone uh, has that kind of story. Some of us have a much more tragic story and it's even more important for those guys uh, to step into the grace of God and ask for help. I think that's part of it too, is that asking for help um, and, and being transparent and being uh, honest and, and open and vulnerable, one of the things you know, I mentioned that uh, the, the promise keeper season for me ended, and then I needed to do something else. And I, I remember the, uh, I got this notice that the promise thing, promise keeper thing, was ended. And I come home, and my kids could tell that my kids were little. I mean, uh, and they they could tell something was awful. Dad. They go, "How was your day, Dad?" And typically, a dad like me would say, "Great. How was your day?" <laughs> but that particular day, I was willing to take a risk. I said, well, it's kind of a hard day. And I described with them that uh, my employment uh, situation was going to change. And, and, they, uh, and we processed it. And so one of my boys said, so what are you going to do, dad? And I said, you know, I really don't know. And they all looked at me and they said, wow, dad doesn't know what he's going to do. And they kind of looked, they giggled. And I'm thinking, How do I come across to people? How do I come across to my kids that I always know what I'm going to do? I always know the next thing. I have this whole thing planned out. And I realized there, and I started to make, uh, Barb Barb would help me with this. I started to be much more open and honest with my family, starting with my family. And then with my brothers and my small group, I I wanted to let people know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how this is going to work out. And I think just that's part of what I've learned about loss is that we we need to be honest and open and transparent with one another.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, it's okay to not know. As Robert said earlier, yeah. that, that's, that defies who we are as men, uh, but yeah. it's the truth, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, I wish I could get most young married men to look at... Uh, their friends and say, I don't know how to be married because that's the healthiest step to yeah. be married.
1: <laughs> you know, and we, uh, and it, you probably have done this, you know, pastoring men over time. We did a survey with the Iron Shepherds Iron guys and we asked men, we we asked them, how are you doing? These are Christian men who go to men's conferences. So they're a different breed. Uh, so we asked them, how are you doing in your marriage? And we gave them four options. One, would, one was uh, struggling, uh, the next one was fine, uh, the next one was good, and the last one, we were going to say great, but we decided to say godly because we figured no one's going to say they have a godly marriage. So is your marriage struggling? Is it fine? Is it good? Or is it godly? Well, which one do you guys think was the predominant answer?
0: I would say, I would say, I would think some. A lot of people probably said godly.
2: That's what I would think.
1: You are absolutely right. <laughs> Over fifty percent of the men described their marriage as godly, and, and and I did it. And I'm the I'm the guy who creates the survey. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Nobody's going to say this. Nobody's going to say their marriage is godly. Maybe fine. Maybe good. Maybe we'll get some transparent guys. But somehow we've we're we're kidding ourselves. We've <laughs> yep. got this, get, we get these we get godly marriages. I mean, I would I couldn't see have a godly marriage. <laughs> I mean, somehow we've got to maybe redefine you know our definition of godly, and what that looks like.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, just just the idea of being able to be honest and willing to to be vulnerable is. It, people don't realize that's where the health is. The unhealth yeah. is resisting honesty and transparency. Yeah.
0: Well, Brian, uh, if people want to connect to ISI and learn more about Iron Sharpens Iron, I'm, I'm abbreviating it, not all of our listeners are probably have got it down to the alphabet soup uh, version, but Iron Sharpens yeah. Iron, if, if people are wanting to find out more, where can they go and get more information?
1: Uh, they can go to Iron Sharpens Iron and just google iron shirpens iron It'll be very easy to find and if there's something close to them great if there isn't they can ask they can check on some resources and we'd be what we want to do we want to help men grow in christ but the way we really do that uh mark and robert would be similar to you we, we really believe that the plan of god is that the local church is the key to all this so although i'm a parachurch guy and have a parachurch background. I'm really a church guy. And we're committed to building local churches by uh, equipping local church leaders to build godly men. Uh, That's really our vision. We want to help local churches to build godly men, not just for themselves, but for all the people that they touch.
0: that's great.
2: Releasing shepherds.
0: Yeah, well, thank you, Brian, for being with us today and um, for sharing so vulnerably from your life, but Mm -hmm. also the challenge, the bold challenge uh, for us uh, as we think about ministering to men and and dealing with loss in our lives, Mm -hmm. um, that challenge to be better men, uh, not after the fact, but so that we're ready for the challenges that life uh, faces us Mm -hmm. uh, as we come across them. Uh, for more information, go Google Iron Sharpens Iron. You'll find their conferences all over the country. And uh, we encourage you to find out more at betterman.com as well. Please rate this webcast on the platform of your choice. Thank you very much for being with us today on the Betterman Podcast. Hey, this is Mark Matlock with the Betterman Podcast. I just want to remind you to leave a review and subscribe to the Betterman Podcast on whatever platform you're listening from. If you're a church or organization leader interested in bringing a Better Man 10-week event to your community, go to betterman.com for information.